Hallelujah. Singing like that makes you feel like you can sing. I heard some of y'all this morning. Amen. Y'all were right along me. Y'all were off key, off note, but that's all right. We were in there. Amen. Amen. Tell your neighbor, just make a joyful noise. Yeah, yeah, we were all there together. Amen. You, you giving lessons, sir? We need some singing lessons. Praise the Lord. All of us. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, bless the wonderful name of the Lord, everyone. Thank you for being in the house this morning. I pray this morning that the Lord will bless you exactly where you need to be at this morning and do for you what needs to be done in this morning, in this moment. Amen. If you're here for the first, second, or reoccurring time, just for my sake, would you slip your hand in the air and wave it at me? Won't act second. Amen. Amen. Look, a whole row. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. You should have received a blue connect card if you did not. Would you put that hand back in the air again? Uh, It's our way of connecting with you and also praying for you. We have several on this back row over here. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. On the back of the card is a place for comments as well as prayer requests. Uh, We want to stay connected with you through prayer, uh, unify with you, and touch and agree with you what you believe in God for. And uh, so fill that card out in its entirety. Hand it back to one of our sanctuary workers, host, if you would. Amen. Bless the Lord. If you have not yet gone on to your social media platforms, go ahead, like, share, and follow. The Lord has a word for your life on this morning. Amen. If you're on your social media platforms, go ahead and hashtag the word loosed. Amen. Hashtag loosed. Hallelujah. Let's jump in. Let's jump in. Glory to God. Grabbing your Bibles, the Gospel of John, chapter number 8, verse number 32, as well as the book of Psalm 142, uh, verse number 1. Where we begin, John, the Gospel of John, chapter number 8, verse number 32, then walk over to the book of Psalms, number 142, verse number 1. We'll begin in Psalms, and then we'll come back to John. So hold your finger at John, chapter number 8, and take a pause at the book of Psalm 142. And as you're grabbing that text, that scripture, would you stand to your feet if you would? It's a tradition here at Elevate Church. We stand for the reading of God's word in reverence. And I don't see my my adapter for my clicker up there. There we go. Amen. Thank you, sir. Do you have it yet? Say amen. If you're still looking, say hallelujah. Oh, y'all, hallelujah is real low. Amen. Hallelujah. You waiting for the screen? Wait for me to put it on the screen. Say thank you, Jesus. My people. Repeat after me. Say, today I'll be taught the word of God. My spirit is ready and my mind is sharp. I believe the word. The word is truth. It is without error. I believe what the word says. I can have what it says I can have. I can do what it says I can do. I can be what it says I can be. I believe what the word says about me. I am redeemed. 
I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am healed. No sickness nor disease shall come near my home. I'm more than a conqueror. I am rich. Wealth and riches shall be in my house. Talk to your neighbor for a second. Say, wealth and riches shall be in your house. I think the other neighbor's jealous. Say, wealth and riches shall be in your house. Point to the four walls of this building. Say, wealth and riches shall be in this house. Point to yourself. Say, wealth and riches shall be in this house. You know, the Bible declares that there are treasures that are hidden in earthen vessels. You are a wealthy person. You don't know it. Because you got the greatest treasure in store, stored inside of you. Some of you are striving and working hard to amass and obtain financial wealth when you are already rich. You, you already got great wealth. You know why? Because the one who is the creator of all things resides within. Okay, let me give you the book then. It says in Galatians chapter 2 verse number 20, it says, No longer I that live it, but who? Christ that lives Within me, God bankrupt heaven so he can deposit treasures on the inside of you. Tell your name, I'm wealthy. That's the wealth you should always aspire to obtain is to have the wealth of Christ on the inside of you. That's the type of wealth that never runs out. Money will fade away or get old. They'll they'll end up uh, deeming that money no longer useful. Well, long as you have Christ, whew, have everything you need. Tell your neighbor, I'm wealthy. Shall wealth and riches shall be in this house. Shall I'm blessed to be a blessing? Shall I'm blessed? Now say amen if you could. Uh, in the book of Psalm, number 142 and verse number one, you should be there by now. If you're not sad for you, my God, gave you a lot of time. Amen. In verse number one, the word of the Lord declares, I cried aloud to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord of mercy. I pour out before him my complaint. Before him, I tell my trouble. When my spirit grows faint within me, it is you who watch over my way. In the path where I walk, people have hidden a snare for me. People have hidden a snare for me. David pins this letter, this text, this psalm, while he is running uh, and he is in the cave of Adullam. David, of course, you know, David is uh, anointed to be king. Hear this, beloved. He is anointed to be king, but is not yet appointed to be king. Y'all catch that in a second. He has the anointing of God to have the position, but God has yet appointed him to the position. And so often we run off because we're anointed trying to get to the assignment of appointing, but we go ahead of God. Some of you watch this. God has blessed with so many gifts and talents and you're running out to start a business in any time yet. You have no business acumen. You, you don't know how, how to manage business. You don't know time management. You show up late for everything. Oh, God. Uh-huh. Say, help me, preacher. No good customer service. So you're anointed to do a thing, but you have to wait for the appointment. Amen. 
Don't get ahead. Tell your neighbor, don't get ahead of God. God knows exactly when to release you. Some of you are trying to start a ministry ahead of God. And David writes this letter. He's in a tough place and a tough time. But watch, David has a posture in his heart to always seek after God, even in the tough places. Can I tell you something this morning? Don't save your best prayers for the cave. Some of you cry out to God the loudest in the trap place, in the storm. But don't save your best prayers for the place of entrapment. Sometimes you got to learn how to pray on the mountaintop even when it's victory. Because God wants to hear from you even then. Tell your neighbor, even then. Uh, Jump over if you would. Let's go to uh, John chapter number 16. It says, "But, but verily, but very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate, the paraclete will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment about sin because people do not believe in me. About righteousness because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say. Yes, you do. More than you can bear now. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth and he will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me. Yes, he does. Because it is because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. And all that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. God wants you to know. Tell your neighbor, God wants you to know. Let us pray. Father, now in the name of Jesus, I declare, Lord, that your Spirit and your power fill this place. Anoint my voice, God. Anoint their ears. Let them hear, God, not from me, but from heaven just a vessel. So therefore, God, I decrease as you increase in this place. Holy Spirit, have thine way in this holy tabernacle. We bind every spirit, every principality, every wickedness, every root worker, every cast spiller, every black magic, white magic, every voodoo, every hex that will try to come to hinder your people, oh God, from hearing this word today. I pray now, God, that the eyes of their understanding be open now in the name of Jesus. We block the airways from the principality speaking wickedness in their hearing now in the name of Jesus a hedge of protection around this place now a ring of fire protecting each and every one God now in the name of Jesus I declare freedom and liberty in this place in Jesus mighty name somebody shout amen Amen. you may be seated in the presence of the Lord I'm gonna try real quickly to give you what the Lord has given me I want to talk real quickly from the thought trapped somebody shout trapped with the subtopic, help, I need to get out of my head. Come on, somebody. Have you ever felt trapped before? 
Have you ever felt like you were in a tight place, a secluded place, a tight place where it seems like all of the walls were coming in upon you? Trapped, trapped. Maybe you felt trapped in a relationship, a a bad relationship, and it seemed like you couldn't get out. Maybe you felt trapped at a dead-end job. Uh, And, you know, for for years, I wonder why they called it a dead-end job, you know, why dead end? You know, because a dead end doesn't lead to anywhere. And so maybe on your job, you, you feel like it's a dead end job, like your career is going nowhere, like life has just come to a halt. Anybody ever felt trapped before? For those of you who have never felt trapped before, just keep on living. Because this is what life comes to do. Life comes to put snares and talls upon you. But Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life more. I, I come to loose you so you can live an abundant life. Jesus doesn't want you trapped. Amen. Or well, he definitely don't want you in the trap house. Hey, amen. I got two witnesses in the place. And David pins this script in the Psalms. And David said, of course, I cry aloud to the Lord. Watch, he cries out from a trap place, a place of isolation, place of seclusion. And David cries out to God in this place, that place where the shutters are pulled low and the curtains are closed, that place where it is grim and dim, that place of depression and oppression. I heard Pastor Adams said at the beginning of service when he was on his way to church, he felt such a heaviness. And then when he came into the building, there was another heaviness that he felt. You know, it's in those moments that we should cry out the loudest. It's in the moments of darkness that God wants to shine the brightest. It's in those dark places that God wants us to seek his face, even in the darkness. Because if you allow it to get so dark in your life, then you will not be able to see your way out. So it's important that you cry out. And David cries out unto the Lord with a loud voice. But listen, he doesn't cry to any God. He cries out to the Lord. And he calls out to the Lord for mercy. Can we thank God for mercy? So so here it is. If you get trapped in your mind, in your thoughts, and then it's in that place, in that place of snare, it is in that place of captivity. If you're trapped in your thoughts, then you can't move forward in life. And what happens is you begin to play head games. Somebody shout head games. And one of the head games you'll play with yourself is you'll get into a routine. A routine. What's a routine? You start doing things the same way over and over again because you don't want to break outside of the norm. You're you're trapped in a fixed way. Matter of fact, some of your worship is routine worship. (laughs) You come into the house of the Lord and you have a fixed way, a routine of the way you worship. You you, you come in and you you posture yourself in a certain way. You're sitting in the same seat you sit in every week. Amen. I seen people shuffling seats already. Move, move on. It becomes a routine. 
becomes a routine. And, and, and I know this to be true because in my own life, when I first came to Christ, I was so enamored with an affection and, and had such an affection for Christ. I didn't want anything to change. I wanted that, that relationship to stay the same. Went to church, sat in the same seat every week because that's where I met Christ. It's just like the disciples. See, we give Peter a hard time when Peter went back fishing. But it was at that place that he first met Christ. Peter said, since you're gone, I'm going to go back to where I first met you. So it's at that place. Hopefully I can meet you again. Ah, but, but what happens with the routine is, is we put not only ourselves in the box, but we put God in the box. And, and we expect God to perform the same way he did last week, this week. We expect God to do what he did then to do it now. And, and so we get into this routine of even our worship. How we worship. In your relationships, you can get into a routine. Because you don't want things to change. Can I bless you with something? Change is inevitable. Change will always happen. Matter of fact, hear this. Change is the most consistent, constant thing on the face of the earth. There will always be change. Matter of fact, you have changed in just that blink of a moment. You have changed just that quick because your thought process changed you. Just You were standing in thought this way one second, and now this second you're in another thought. Change. Your posture changed. Your position changed. Change is constant. You don't want to get stuck in a routine because it doesn't leave room for God to move. Here's another head game. You get in a rut. So you go from a routine to a rut. What's a rut? It's, it's, it's a cavity. It's a, uh, it's a, a conclave. It's, it's a hole in the ground. If you get stuck in a rut, that means you're not going anywhere. You can't go forward. You can't go backward. can't go left. can't go right. You're just stuck. Tell your neighbor, get stuck. Yeah, get stuck. Get stuck if you want to, because life will pass you by if you get stuck. Things will be happening. God will be moving and you will get stuck and you'll miss God. So so you get into a routine of things and then you get into a rut in life. And now life passes you by and 20, 30 years down the road, you're wondering what happened because you got in a rut. You go from a routine to a rut to a ritual. Now, we have times, even myself, have given religion a hard time, but religion is simply this. It's a routine. It's a way of doing things over and over again. But watch, religion is okay, but don't allow religion to be the pathway that brings you to a relationship. Did you catch that? Don't allow religion to be the pathway to relationship because if you try to do things ritualistic over and over again, I pray this way, I do this over and over again with the hopes of my relationship getting better with Christ, then religion has become false. But religion should be so that it brings you into a place where you have a routine of how you do things, but don't make it the premise of how you get a relationship. Did you understand that? Okay, okay. So you go from a routine to a rut to a ritual. Question for you. Are you living by truth or by tradition? 
Ask your neighbor, are you living by truth or by tradition? Because that's what happens with religion. Religion becomes a tradition. And what happens in tradition is, is that you get stuck in the way of doing things so long that you don't want to change. So one Thanksgiving, this family was having a Thanksgiving Day meal. And as they were preparing the meal, uh, the daughter walked into the kitchen. Her mother was preparing the turkey and she grabbed the turkey and she began uh, to stuff the turkey. But before she put the turkey in the pan, she took the turkey and she cut the, the butt off the turkey and placed it in the pan. Now, the pan had more than enough space for the turkey to fit in. And the daughter looked at her mom and said, Mom, why did you cut the butt off the turkey? Mom looked at her and said, well, you know, that's the way my mom do it. That's the recipe. Fortunately, her mom was in the living room. So the little girl went in the living room and she went and she said, Grandma, she said, why do you Cut the butt off the turkey before you place it in the pan. Grandma said, you know, sweetie, that's a good question. She said, that's the way I always saw my mother do it. Fortunately, her great-grandmother was upstairs, so she runs up the stairs, and she said, great-grandmother, she said, uh, uh, Mama told me that the recipe for the family is to cut the butt off the turkey before putting it in the oven, and she didn't know why, so she said, that's the way my mother do it, so she went to, uh, sent me to her mother, and I asked her, and she said, she just saw you do it, so I'm asking you, why did we cut the butt off the turkey before we put it in the pan? Great-grandmother said, well, sweetie, she said, back in my day, we didn't have pans large enough to fit the turkey. So we cut the butt off the turkey so it'll fit in the pan. Y'all didn't catch that. So just because of tradition, it was passed down from generation to generation. And even though there is now more space to do, we're still only accommodating less space. There's something God wants to do in your life, and tradition has reduced you to a small place when God has brought you to a large place. And now you're living life in a rut because now you're doing things small when God has made things large. You're trapped in your own thoughts. You got to get out your head because what God wants to do in this season of your life is far greater than you could ask, think, or even imagine. What God wants to do in your life is far greater than you even want or desire for your own life. What God wants to do is to break you free from the bondage and the strongholds and the tyrannies. Watch this of your own thoughts. The children of Israel are walking into the promised land, and as they're going into the promised land, they send spies into the promised land. They come back with a bad report. The bad report is we are grasshoppers in our own eyesight. It wasn't the way the giants looked at them. It was the way they saw themselves. Of course, the giants would see them as small. But what caused them to miss out on the moment of going into the promised land was not the way people saw them. The problem was the way they saw themselves. They got stuck in a tradition of hearing how low they were and how small they were. If you get trapped in your head, your heart will never be free. Did you hear that? If you get trapped in your head with all of these thoughts, then your heart will never be truly free to do all that God wants you to be. So David prays this prayer, but there's, 
I call this prayer the breakthrough prayer. So when you pray, pray always in submission to God and his sovereign will. And when you're praying, always pray in submission to God and his sovereign will for your life. Any other prayer is in vain. If your prayer is not prayed in submission to God's will and his sovereign way for your life, then that prayer is in vain. It's a breakthrough prayer because uh, when you pray, uh, prayer is an acknowledgement for our insufficiencies and God's all sufficiencies. So when you pray, you're acknowledging God that I'm not good enough, I don't have enough, but you're more than enough. That's the breakthrough prayer, that you would depend and rely on God. And that you acknowledge the fact that you're not enough, but that God is more than enough. Here's another one. Prayer is not to inform God of our situation, but it's to prepare us to receive from God. You got to know that, really, because when you pray, God already knows what you're going to pray even before you pray it. Understand that, beloved. Your prayer time to God is not for you to inform him of your problems. God already knows the problems. Matter of fact, God has gone ahead of your problem, have already given you an answer for it. So your prayer time is not to inform God, but it's to prepare us to get ready for what God has for us. Yeah, I know what you're saying. I heard it in your mind. You're saying that, well, the Bible says make our petitions and our requests known. Yes, I come to God with that prayer request, but I also have to understand this. God already know what the problem is even before I tell him the problem. So that prayer time really preps me and prepares me to receive what God has. In other words, it prepares me to hear the answer for the problem. So we see in John, Gospel John, chapter number 11, this account where Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. Now, all those who were attached to Lazarus was attached to, to uh, tradition. They were stuck in their mindset. And the people around them were stuck in their mindset. They all got into a rut. And in verse number 38, it says, Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, speaking of Lazarus, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there for four days. See, it was tradition that uh, after three days, they would make sure that the tomb is sealed so there was no more burial rites performed. That after three days, they had to make sure that the tomb was sealed, that no one would go in because there was a foul odor. It's, it's a proven fact that at four days, the body begins to decay. It begins to deteriorate. So she says to Jesus, Jesus, listen, my brother has been dead four days. You can't go in the tomb. It's tradition that the tomb is sealed on this day. It's tradition that nobody touches the body at this moment because this is the way it's always been done. That after three days, we seal the tomb and nobody goes in. Somebody shout there in a rut. They got into such a routine, a rut, and a ritual of the way of things being done. But Jesus steps on the scene. Ah, when, when, when Jesus steps on the scene, he disrupts the routine. He, he disrupts the ritual, and he sets things the way it should be set. And then Jesus said, 
Did I tell you, did I not tell you that if you believe, ask your neighbor, do you believe? He said, did I not tell you if you believe you will see the glory of God? So they took the stone away and Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I stand, I say this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Now, most theologians and scholars say he had to call Lazarus by name because if he would just say, come forth, every dead person in the grave would have came. You know, God is so specific about what he wants to bring you out of. God is very specific. He knows your name. He knows what you're in and what you need to come out of. And when he calls, he calls you by name. You know why? Because he knows your name. Matter of fact, God is so amazing. He knows every hair upon your head, even the three that you have. Amen. Amen. We're going to make it. Amen. I'm trying miracle grow right now. It's, it's not working yet, but keep praying for me. Amen. Amen. Yeah, come out there, right? Amen. Amen. I'm going to come out the last couple of strands I have. I'm going to shave it all off. Amen. So uh, the dead man came out and his hands and feet were wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, catch this key phrase. Take off the grave clothes and let him go. Take off the grave clothes and let him go. Now watch. Not only does God want to set you free. But he also wants you to be free from the thing that is holding you. You got to breathe in this text for a second. Watch. Lazarus is alive, but he is still held bound. Lazarus have breath in his body, but he still have bondages. And watch. When God comes in your life, he resurrects you unto new life. But there's still some stuff holding you and keeping you in bondage. If y'all would be real with me for a moment, there's some things that you're still struggling with. And I'm talking about A.C. after Christ, not B.C. before Christ. As a Christian, we're still struggling in some things. He has set you free, brought you to life, but you're still held bound. And Jesus tells them, listen, Lazarus is alive now, but he's still in bondage. Lazarus has life and breath in his body, but he is still held captive. Some of us are held captive in the thoughts of our mind from the past failures, hurts and pains caused and afflicted by others. And maybe even by some bad decisions we have made of our own. You don't want to step forward because you feel in the past. You don't want to go forward because in the past you failed. So now going forward now also is a reflection of what happened in the past. So I'm just going to stay right where I am because if I move, I'm going to fail again. And he tells them to take off the, gra- the grave clothes and let him go. Can you hear this for a second? Whatever you hold on to will eventually shape you. Whatever you hold on to will eventually shape you. That's why it's so important that you hold on to the hand of God. You hold on to Jesus' unchanging hand. Because if you hold on to his hand, eventually he'll shape you, mold you, fashion you, and create you into the thing that he desires best for your life. Tell your neighbor, hold on. 
I don't know who this is for this morning, but I really feel that somebody has been troubling in their mind with bad thoughts. Thoughts that have been holding you captive. You keep seeing yourself in light of your past failures and mistakes. You're trapped in your head. Matter of fact, some of you, it was hard just making it to church this morning because of the church hurt you experienced in the past. And you're looking and observing. And you're critiquing and criticizing. You're looking at the worship and you're saying, mm, ah, mm, ah. And watch, it has nothing to do with this, but everything to do with that. What happened in the past at your last church? The thoughts of the pain and the church hurt that you experienced there. Why do I do air quotes? Because really, there is no such thing as church hurt. It's people hurt, not church hurt. It's the people in the church that hurt you, not the church that hurt you. Ah, ah, so we need to get that out of our vernacular that it is not church hurt. It's the people that hurt me in the church. And we have taught the world how to view church by our own words and by our own confession. Oh, I have church hurt. You don't have church hurt, baby. You have people hurt that hurt you in the church, but it was not the church that hurt you because God would never make something to hurt you. He called the church his bride. Why would his bride hurt you? And now we are trapped in our own thoughts based upon past hurts, past pains, past trials, past tribulations, and we're trapped, held captive. And God wants to move in your life, but he can't move because you're limiting him to a small place that you've been trapped in for days, months, years, decades. Not only does he want to set you free, but he also wants you free of the thing that's been holding you. So today I want to pray. I want to pray that liberty and freedom comes into your life. Notice I didn't say that you're delivered of the thing. God wants you free from the thing. Deliverance is only taking that past hurt and pain and moving it from one place to the next place. You're delivering that pain from one spot to another spot. Well, God says, I want you totally free from it. That when you see that thing, it has no hold on you anymore. See, I'll just testify for a second. When God set me free from alcoholism, I can now walk down aisle number six where the alcohol is, and it don't bother me. Why? I've been set free from it. I can go back to the hood where they smoke much dope, and I used to participate with them and I can just walk up and it don't affect me why because I've been set free if I were only delivered from the thing I would still get them shakes yeah you, you know that thing you struggle with every time it arises you like oh, help me Jesus help me Jesus Holy Spirit activate Holy Spirit activate that's because you've been delivered not set free the thing that you're free from bothers you no more whom the sun sets is free indeed and they tell Jesus tells them Lazarus is alive but take the grave clothes off
Today, I want to pray that the grave clothes come off of you, that you be trapped no more. Bow your heads with me. Father, now in the name of Jesus, we call forth every Lazarus in this house this morning, everyone who have been held captive by the enemy, every trap, every snare, every plot, every plan, every bondage, every yoke that has been placed upon them. Today, we declare freedom now in the name of Jesus, free from all past hurts and pains. It will not be their portion. So, Father, we thank you for freed hearts, freed minds, freed spirits in the name of Jesus. So, Father, now, as we call them forth, we declare freedom in their life. If you're here this morning, and I'll make my first appeal to those of you who don't know Jesus Christ and are part of your sins. It's my first appeal. You're here today. And you need to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I'm speaking to you. My second appeal is to those of you who are backslidden. God is married to the backslider. You made some mistakes. You've done some things wrong. Your relationship has been strained between you and God. Today, he's calling you back home. That's you today. I'm speaking to you. Maybe this third appeal is that you've been living in a small place and God is calling you to a large place. You've been living a life that has not been a life to the fullest. Your relationship in him, with him, has not been as grand as it should be. If that's you, I'm going to ask you now to slip your hand in the air. Accept Christ the first time I see you. Backslid and coming back and make it right with him. If that's you, lift your hand in the air. Or maybe you're not living in the abundant life that he has called you to live. A closer walk and a closer relationship with him. If that's you, lift your hand in the air. Do it now. Thank you, Father. I see you. I see you. I see you. I believe there's others today that needs to make a decision. If that's you, lift your hand. Thank you, Lord. God, we bless you. God, we thank you. And God, we give you glory. My my last appeal is to those of you who are here today. You don't have a church home. For what good is a member of the body if it's not connected to a body? One would say, well, I'm a member of the body. I, I, I can watch church uh, on, on virtual through live stream. Or I, can, I can experience God all by myself. Yes, all that is true. But as a member of the body, you need to be connected to a body. And you don't have a church home, but God is calling you to be a part of Elevate Church. If that's you today, would you lift your hand? Thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Father. God, we give you glory. God, we give you praise. It's in Jesus' my name. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise? If you're online today, if that's you, God wants to do a work in your life, you can simply text the word loose in the box below. If you're looking for a church home, you can simply text the word join to 225-361-2016. For those of you who are looking uh, for a church to be a part of, just text that word join to that number that is on the screen. Amen. Well, bless the Lord. Amen. Amen. And amen. Can you stand to your feet if you would? And you're ready to close out. Amen. God, we bless you. God, we thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Listen, if you're here for the first, second, or third time, recurring time, I will be outside the door to my left, your right. Uh, I would ask that if you're, as you're exiting the building, that you would exit from the right door and the left door. My left, my right, your left, your right, my left on this side. 
for our first time guests, I would love to shake your hand and meet you on this side as we close out in prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord God. Thank you for the word that was given. We thank you for the hearts and the ears that have heard this word. And I pray, oh God, that you will bless them. A manifestation of your word will take place in their life. God, we bless you and trust you, God. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Gospel of John, chapter number 8. Gospel of John, chapter number 8. Verse number 32. Hold your finger there, John. 
chapter number 8, verse number 32. Hold your finger there and run over the, to the book of Psalm number 142, verse number 1. We'll start at Psalms. We'll go back to John. We'll start in Psalms and we'll go back to John. Thank you, God. Blessings, 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 blessings. I feel there's a financial distress in the spirit. Financial distress. Financial distress. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Financial distress. At a moment right now where you need God to do a supernatural miracle financially. Financial distress is is weighing you. It's weighing heavy. If, If that's you, forget about embarrassment. If that's you this morning, you're at that place financially. Thank you for a release of increase in their lives. Right now, Father, you own a cattle on a thousand hills, so that minor debt that they're experiencing now, God, is nothing for you. God, we thank you. We thank you. I, I heard the number 742. 742. 742. 742. The Lord says he's going to multiply because you don't just need that. You need that plus. 742 is the number I heard. And he said not only is he going to meet that need, but he's going to extend that need into the next month to meet that as well. Thank you, Father. God, we bless you. God, we give you glory. In Jesus' name. It's okay, I flew in the spirit. Thank you, Father. So what happened is, for those of you who are here maybe for the first time or reoccurring time, is that the spirit of God, when we yield ourselves to him, God has his way. That means you get out the way. Oh, well, well, preacher, come on, give the word. No, we allow the spirit of God to have his way. It's Yahweh's way and not our way. It's his way and not our way. So if y'all would bear the moment of the Holy Spirit to have his way in this place, I promise you God will. He would do exceedingly above, beyond. You could ask or even think. See, y'all got to get away from this church as usual thing. Three songs, a message, an offering, an altar call, and then you're out the door. God wants to do more than what we have restricted or limited him to. Not just take apostolic liberty at this moment. It's to really just rest in this moment because I don't want to hasten past God. As If God is doing something in somebody's life, then I want to yield to that so that they can experience God to the fullest. Now, if you're selfish enough to say, well, we need to move on, then um, I recommend that you try us another Sunday. Amen. 
But this may be for your neighbor, if not for you. This may be for the person to your left or to your right, and maybe not you. But if you are wise enough in this moment, is to sow a seed of intercession and to pray for your neighbor. Sow a seed of intercession that you will stop thinking about yourself and pray for them right now. The power of a seed is, is that when you sow it, the seed, the purpose of a seed is to die and to produce a harvest. So as you're sowing the seed of prayer, you actually can open your eyes and expect a harvest of the seed that you're sowing. Because every seed shall produce of its own kind. So what you're praying for them, you can expect to be multiplied back unto you. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. It's the purpose of a seed, to die and to produce. To die and to produce. To die and to produce. That's what intercession is. Intercession is death and manifestation. Death and manifestation. Are you praying? Are you praying? Jesus asked the disciples, can you pray and watch but for an hour? Can you pray and watch for an hour? Can you pray for your neighbor? Thank you, Lord. Come on, Zion. Let heaven hear you. Come on, pray. 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 In Jesus' name. I don't know you, sir, but I feel a strong presence of belonging. Um, I saw a black sheep separated from the fold. I saw this sheep isolated all to himself. But the Lord told me to encourage you this morning that you're beloved of him. You are beloved of him. He loves you greatly. Loves you greatly. There's been pain in the abdominal kidney. Lord says healing is coming to you. Healing is coming to you. Strength in his body now, God. In the name of Jesus. We thank you. God, we give you glory. We bind kidney stones now in the name that is above every name. Father, we thank you for release of pressure in the name of Jesus. Amen. John chapter number 8, Psalms number 142. Grab your Bible, stand to your feet. It's a tradition. We stand in the reading of God's Word. We make a faith declaration here at Elevate Church. The reason why we do so is that we, we do so to remind the devil that we believe God at His Word. That's why we do this. And uh, secondly, uh, we do this to uh, remind God that we believe his word. Thirdly, we make this faith declaration is to remind ourselves that we have to believe God's word. So if you would repeat after me real loud, real strong. Today I'll be taught the word of God. My spirit is ready and my mind is sharp 
I believe the word. The word is truth. It is without error. I believe what the word says. I can have what it says I can have. I can do what it says I can do. I believe what the word says about me. Do you really? I believe what the word says about me. Here's what the word says about you. I am redeemed. I am the righteous of God in Christ Jesus. I am healed. No sickness nor disease shall come near my home. I am more than a conqueror. I am rich. Wealth and riches shall be in my house. Shout again, wealth and riches shall be in my house. Talk to your neighbor for a second. Say, wealth and riches shall be in your house. Prophesy that over your other neighbor. Say, wealth and riches shall be in your house. Point to yourself and say, wealth and riches shall be in this house. Oh, let me talk to you for a moment. God says that he has deposited treasures in earthen vessels. You already have wealth. You're seeking wealth. You already have wealth. It's on the inside of you. He has placed treasures in earthen vessels. Watch, catch. He bankrupt heaven so he can deposit wealth on the inside of you. He sent Jesus to die so he can live on the inside of you. You are already wealthy. You have the wealth of heaven on the inside of you. I'll never be broke a day in my life. Why? Because I have wealth on the inside of me. Got the power of the Holy Ghost on the inside of me. That even when I don't know how to do, I know how to do. Because I got the Holy Ghost. Who has all wisdom and knowledge. Who reveals the mysteries of God. When I don't understand, I understand. When I can't see, I see. When I can't hear, I hear. Why? Because the power of the Holy Ghost. See things I can't see with my own eyes. Hear things I can't hear with my own ears. Do things that my hands cannot do. Why? Because of the power and the wealth on the inside of me. Shout it. Wealth and riches shall be in this house. Shall I'm blessed to be a blessing? My house is blessed. My marriage is blessed. My children are blessed. My church is blessed. Now shout, I'm blessed. Shout, amen. amen. The book of Psalms, number 142, verse number one. The word of the Lord declares, I cry aloud to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy. You know, his mercies are renewed afresh every day. I pour out before him my complaint. Before I tell him my trouble, when my spirit grows faint within It is you who watched over my way. In the path where I walk, people have hidden a snare for me. One translation says that they have hidden a trap for me. David is penning this text, this psalm, from a cave, from a place of darkness. He's hiding in the cave of Adullam, and he is hiding out because life has hit him in such a way he don't know which way to turn. And David, out of this dark place, out of this this miry place, David cries out to the Lord, makes his complaint to God be known. Can I tell you something today? Uh, 
Don't save your best prayers for the cave. David prayed for freedom and deliverance from a dark place. But when he got in a lit place, his eyes got fixed on Bathsheba, but he couldn't pray then. Yeah. He couldn't find a place of prayer when he had beauty and loveliness before him. But in a dark place, he could cry out loud. Don't save your best prayers for the cave. Because even on the mountaintop, you need to learn how to cry out. Even in your victory, you need to learn how to cry out to the Lord. God just don't want to speak to you in a dark place. He wants to speak to you all the time. Some of us have a weekend warrior relationship with God. We only visit him on Sundays. Weekend warriors, we want to fight in the spirit on Sunday. What about Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and start all over again? Every day. Don't save your best prayers for the cave life. Me and the thaw. I'm sorry. Uh, John chapter number 16, verse number 7. The word of the Lord says, but very, very truly I tell you, it is good. Somebody shout, it is good. Uh, uh, it's good for you that I'm going away, is what Jesus is telling the disciples. He says, unless I go away, the advocate, the paraclete in the Greek, the Holy Ghost, will come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. That's what the word says. It goes on and says about sin because people do not believe in me. Uh, about righteousness because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you. Yes, he does. More than you could bear. You know, the Bible says that Jesus done so many acts that the books of this world could not even contain them. But when he, somebody shout he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth and he will not speak of his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. I'm almost done. Uh, just bear with me. And, and, and then verse, the next verse, if we can get there, he will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. Somebody shout, God wants you to know. Last verse, verse 15. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. Father, now in the name of Jesus, make known that which is unknown to us now in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Real quick. Have you ever been in a in a place where it seemed like everything around you was collapsing? That that every everywhere you looked, things was falling apart in your life. You know, you, for a moment, things are good. 
you know, money is flowing, job is well, everybody's happy, the dog is running around the yard barking real joyfully, and everything is just seen, even the birds seem to hum and sing in tune with your life. And then it seems like everything just crashes all around you. You're in a, a place where you feel trapped. Anybody ever felt trapped? Maybe, maybe on your job you were trapped. Uh, like this job is not going anywhere as hard as you work and, and, and as hard as you do. It just seemed like you're making no headway. Maybe in a relationship you're trapped in a harbor. Sister even capped it off with an exclamation mark. She said, Jesus. Ever felt trapped? A trap moment in your life. I'm not talking about the trap house. Don't do it. <laughs> Stay out the trap house. But, but in that moment where you just feel trapped, where nothing seemed to really go well. And if truth be known, uh, and if we'll be honest for the moment, we've all felt like we've had a trapped moment in our lives. I don't care how saved you are. I don't care how many scriptures you know. I don't know. I don't care how many tongues you can speak in. It, it, it's, it, life will come and it will hit you so hard that it will take the breath of life out of you. Pastor Adam in the first service said while he was en route to church today, he felt such a heaviness. And then when he got into the building, there was another heaviness. And, and, and that's how life comes. Life comes to put you in a trap place. Life comes to box you in. So I want to talk real briefly from the thought trapped with the subtitle, help, I can't get out of my head. Tell your neighbor, help me. See, David is in this cave of a doolum. He's anointed, but yet not appointed. He, he, God anoints him to be the next king. And so you would figure with this type of heavy anointing to be the next king, there will be this big celebration. There'll be jubilant. There'll be joy and everybody be excitement. But David is anointed to be king, but not yet appointed. And yet he's running for his life. He's hiding out in the cave. He's in a trap place where God was supposed to do something great in his life. What, what he was hoping that God will do in that moment, watch, was delayed. A delayed blessing. I anoint you to be king, but you're not yet appointed to be king. I, I, I'm telling you that you have the job, but it's going to be weeks before you start the job. Let, let me just bring it home to you. Uh, 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 you uh, you're going to get the house, but, but it's going to be years later you're going to get that. He, he, he says, I'm going to bless you, but the blessing is delayed. That's where David is at. David goes and he's anointed to be king, but he's not yet appointed. Can I insert something there for you parenthetically in the text? Is, is that David has really every right to take the throne. He has every right to go and seize the throne from Saul because he's anointed by God to have the throne, but not yet appointed. So now David is in this trap place. He's in the cave and he's like, Lord, I don't know what to do. But what I don't know what to do, I know what to do. And that's to call upon your name. Because when you don't know nothing else, you have to know this one principle. Is that God is always waiting for you to call him. He's waiting for you. To call him 
if, if you don't hear nothing else that out of this message today, know that God is always waiting for you to call. If you would just call his name. Watch this. Even in a trapped place. Watch this. It is your praise that will push the hand of God to fling gates open. And when you learn how to call on his name, even when you're in entrapped in captivity, when you learn how to call on his name, God will find a way to open doors for you. So David pins this text and as he pins this text, he cries out to the Lord and he says he cries out aloud to the Lord. Some of y'all, y'all prayers are too silent. And David cried out. Allowed. Now, I didn't take the time to dig in this text earlier, but watch. David is hiding in a cave, but yet he's screaming loud. Now, anybody ever played hide and seek before? Hide and seek? Y'all know y'all played hide and seek. Y'all playing with me. Some of y'all played hide and seek before you got here. Amen. Hiding from your kids, hiding from your spouse. Uh-huh. Mama, what time are you coming home? Uh, Mama got to shop. Mama ain't shopping at all. She's sitting at the park. Just wanted some time to herself. Playing hide and seek. Y'all know I'm telling the truth. <laughs> Daddy, what time you got? I got to work overtime. I ain't going to be home. Rack them up again. Praise God. But David is hiding in the cave of Adullam, but yet he's screaming loudly. And and logically, you would think that if I'm hiding from someone, I wouldn't be making any kind of noise because I would not want to be found. But David didn't care who found him because he he knows the one who found him. And if he would call out the one who found him, the one who found him would save him. You know, you didn't find Jesus. Jesus found you. And David said, if I can call upon him, that's going to be the one that's going to save me. So I don't care if you hear my cry, enemy. I don't care if you hear my cry, sickness. I don't care if you hear my cry, disease. I don't care if you hear my cry, poverty. I don't care if you hear my cry. I have a God who is there to answer me. And he says, I cried aloud to the Lord. And I lifted up my voice and I cried for mercy. It says, I poured out before him my complaint. Before him, I tell my trouble. Can I tell you something? God knows your prayer before you pray it. Ooh, that's good news. Before you even open up your mouth, God already knows what you're about to say. So we're going to talk about prayer and, and the break, breakthrough prayer in a second. But I got to really build this text up for you. And it says, I poured out before the Lord my complaint and before him I tell my trouble. And when my spirit grows faint within me, I don't know what to do in that moment. I'm tired, God. I'm tired. You ever got to that place where I'm just tired? I can't take this no more. I'm tired, frustrated. You know what one of the greatest enemies to your breakthrough is this right here? That you would grow faint 
that you would get tired and you grow weary. That's one of the greatest enemies to your breakthrough because your breakthrough or your blessing may be right around the corner. But because you grow weary and tired, you don't want to take a step towards it. That you see the finish line, but you are so weary that you don't even want to cross the line. You just get so tired and faint like, okay, y'all just go ahead of me. I'll catch up with you. And then you end up turning back and going back home. Because you're weary and you're tired. Anybody ever got to that place in life where you were so weary that you just gave up? Just gave up on it. With, a, with the hope of a fresh start. It's an enemy to your breakthrough. It says, when my spirit grows faint within, it is you. Somebody shout, it's him. It is you who watch over my way. In the path where I walk, people have hidden a snare for me. When you get to this place, this place where you feel like you want to quit, when you feel like there's so many traps and snares around you and you feel like giving up, you'll start this, what I call head games. Somebody shout head games. You'll get so trapped up in your mind. You start head games in your mind. Start rehearsing all of the past stuff that you've gone through. Head games. You start reciting all of the bad things that has happened in your life. Head games, head games. And and watch this. Head games will bring you into a place of routine. That you get so comfortable with where you are that it becomes routine. Watch this. You start functioning in dysfunction. Ooh, I'm going to say that again. You get the routine of now functioning in what's dysfunction. And then you have the audacity to call that dysfunction functional. Oh, this is just the way I operate. I operate in chaos. That's dysfunction. Y'all quiet. You ever seen a person, you go to their office and their desk is in a mess? And you're like, uh, how do you find anything? Oh, that's just the way I operate. I operate in chaos. That's dysfunctional. Okay, maybe I was talking about somebody sitting next to you. I'm sorry. But, but you begin to operate from this routine of a dysfunctional place and you happen to call it functional, but it's really dysfunction. And, and, and you play these head games and now what, was, what you thought to be wrong, you call right. And what was right, you call wrong. And, and now you live in this place, this nebulous place, this place of, watch this, this place of fantasy that you live in now where you perceive everything in your life to be all right, but it really ain't all right. The, the marriage really ain't where it's supposed to be, but you're telling everybody, oh, we're just so happy. I just love him. He treats me fair. But you get home and you can't sleep in the same bed. Y'all in different rooms. Y'all quiet up in this place. You're on a job talking about, man, this is the best job I ever had. But you're on the phone, man, I can't stand this job, man. These people here, but they're always. But, but see, so you live in this life and this space where it's just routine. You get up every day to do the same thing over and over and over again, even if it ain't right. Head game. Tell your neighbor head game. Because you're trapped. You're trapped. And then what, what happens is, once you get into the routine, you end up getting in the rut. What's a rut? A rut is like a, a, a cavity. It's, a, it's a, a place in the ground. It's, 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 it's a hole. You get stuck. You're in a rut. So now you see the way out, but you can't take the way out because you're stuck. You're in a rut. 
So now, again, you become so comfortable in the rut, you just sit there. And you see help, but you won't even call for it anymore. You see a way out, but you won't even take the way out. Whew, that's too much energy. Whew. Ooh, that's off. Oh, oh well. And you get stuck in this rut of life, and, and, and now God wants to move, but you can't move with God. Tell your neighbor, you're stuck. Just stuck in a rut. And then what happens after a routine, a rut, it becomes ritual. And I, even myself, and I have to repent of it, we've, we've given a hard uh, look at religion. And a lot of times we say, oh, religion is bad. I don't, oh, I don't want religion. You know what religion is? Religion is just a routine or a ritual. So it's, it's okay to have religion. It's just that don't allow the religion to become the pathway to get into a relationship. I'll say that again. Uh, don't, don't use religion as a method to get you into a relationship with God. What I mean by that is, is that you ritualistically do things in a routine, hoping that he brings you closer and closer to Christ. And Christ says, listen, you're trying to do this thing, the same thing over. And he, he said this about the Pharisees. Don't pray the same vain prayers like the Pharisees pray. Because they thought that made them more spiritual and closer to God. So when they pray, they pray the same thing. And I'm probably getting in trouble for this. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. In earth as it is on heaven. Praying the same way. Watch, hoping that that one singular prayer that they pray in a ritual will draw them closer. Get into a ritual. Hoping that will be the way. What am I saying to you today? Don't get stuck in a ritual. Don't think that you just come into church on a Sunday, sit in the same seat that you sit in every week. It's going to draw you closer to Christ. Don't think if you just come every week and do the same duties over and over. Stand up, sit down, kneel, stand up, sit down, kneel. That's going to bring you closer to God. It don't work that way. Matter of fact, we give Peter a bad rap, and I kind of understand that. Peter went back fishing after he saw Christ being ascended into heaven, ascended into heaven. He went back fishing. I kind of get what Peter was doing. He went back fishing because that was the place he first met Christ, was at the fishing boat. So he went back to that place hoping that he can see Christ again at the first place he met. I get that. I get that. But watch this. Where Jesus met you is not where he wants to keep you. Just because he met you at the water doesn't mean he wants you to stay at the water. He met Peter at a shallow place, but he took Peter into a deeper place. So he doesn't look for a routine, ritualistic relationship with you. He wants to go deeper. Somebody shout deeper. He wants to take you deeper. But you get trapped. You get trapped in religion. And it sounds good that you've been to revival all week long. That you read through all of the synoptic gospels. That you know all of the spiritual things to do. But you're trapped. Tell your neighbor, don't be trapped. So I got a question for you. Are you living by truth or by tradition? Are you living by truth or are you living by tradition? Because the Bible declares that If you know the truth, then the truth will set you free. 
But tradition keeps you bound to certain ways. I shared a story in the first service. I'll share it with you. It was around Thanksgiving. This family was cooking Thanksgiving dinner, and the mother was in the kitchen, and she had a daughter there. She was trying to teach her on how to make the family recipe, and the mother took the turkey. She stuffed the turkey and got it all based and all of that stuff, and then she cut the butt off the turkey, made the turkey about half the size of what it was, and she placed this turkey in this huge pan, boom, and put it in the oven, and the daughter looked at her amazed, like, Mom, why are you throwing all that turkey away? She said, why, why did you cut the butt? Off of that turkey. And the mom said, I don't know. That's part of the recipe. That's the way my mama used to do it. Her mom was in the living room. So she went to her grandmother. The little girl did. And she said, Grandma. She said, Mom said that when you make this turkey, she said that we have to cut the butt off the turkey before we put it in the pan and place it in the oven. She said, why do we do that? And she said, I don't know, baby. That's the way I always see my mother do it, so that's the way I do it. Well, her great-grandmother, great-great-grandmother was upstairs, so she runs upstairs to her great-great-grandmother, and she said, Grandma, she said, Mother said that before you put the turkey in the oven, you have to cut the butt off before you place it in the pan and put it in the oven. She said, why do we do that? The grandma said, oh, baby, she said, back in my day, we didn't have pans large enough to fit the turkey, so we had to cut it in half so it'll fit and so to go in the pan. What am I saying to you today? We get so stuck in traditions and don't know why we're doing what we're doing, but because they did it that's what we do because grandma said it that's what we roll with well that fit for that day but what's happening today and you get stuck in tradition and watch watch god wants to do something bigger but you're limiting him to something smaller god wants to do something far greater in your life but you're reducing him to something smaller because you're trapped tell your neighbor don't be trapped and that's what Satan wants to do. He wants to trick you so you can be trapped. Listen, if you get trapped in your head, then your heart will never truly be free. If you get trapped up here, then this will never be free. Your thoughts are holding you bound and captive. There's some things God wants to do in your life that will never be done until you first get out of here. The way you see yourself the way you think about yourself, the way you talk about yourself. You'll never be free here until you're free here. Listen what happened to the children of Israel. They're going into the promised land. They send spies into the promised land. And they come back. Twelve come back. But ten come back with a bad report. And here's the report. That we are as grasshoppers in our own sight before them. Now, here's the problem with that. It wasn't the the way the giants saw them. It was the way they saw themselves. Of course the giants would see them as grasshoppers. They're head and shoulder above everybody. They're nine feet tall. Looking down at somebody like, oh, he's tiny. Yeah, yeah, I see you. You're small. You're Tinachi. Yeah, Tinachi. You know Tinachi? Tinachi, you're tiny. Because you're a big person. But that wasn't the problem the way the giants saw them. The problem was the way they saw themselves. They were trapped in their own mind. Watch this. Pharaoh had did such a bang-up job on them. They saw themselves as a small people. And that's the way they begin to believe about themselves, that we're small. 
That's really why Pharaoh tried to kill all of the firstborn male children because they were growing such large numbers of people. Pharaoh said, we got to stop them from growing, so let's kill all of the male children because we want them to stay small. And they took on that mindset and that mentality that we're small. So even though they were freed from the hand of Pharaoh, they were still held captive in their heads. If you get trapped in your head, your heart will never be free. But here's a breakthrough prayer. Somebody shout breakthrough. Breakthrough! Always pray in submission to God and his sovereign will. To be set free and to truly be set free. When you pray, pray in submission to God and his sovereign will. That's where your freedom comes. The best way to get free from whatever you're in when you pray is to pray God's will for your life. Hear me when I say this, beloved. I said it to you before in the past. God is only responsible to give back to you what he gave you. (laughs) I'll slow it down. God is only responsible to give you back to him, give, give you back to him what he gave you. Give back to him what he gave you. Yeah, that, that way. Back to No, the other way around. You're going the wrong direction. He's only responsible to give to you back to what he gave you. Something like that. I said it right the first time. I said say. So that's what we're going to go with. So watch what happens. What did God give you? He gave you his word. So when you pray... You pray his word. So he gave you his word, so you give back to him what he gave you. I just wanted to get y'all to think in there for a second. So, so what he does is he's only responsible for that. He gave you the word, so you got to give him his word back. Watch, his word will go forth and it'll accomplish everything it's supposed to accomplish. It'll come back to him and it will accomplish everything it's supposed to accomplish. Why? It's because God says, I'm going to give it to you. If you give it back to me, I'm going to manifest it. I'm only responsible to give you that and to give you back what I gave you in the first place. So the best way to pray when you're going through a trap place is to pray in submission to God and the sovereign will for your life. Here's the next one. Prayer is acknowledgement of our insufficiencies and God's all-sufficiency. Is that when you pray, you have to acknowledge the fact, God, I can't do this without you. God, I don't have enough. I ain't smart enough. But you are more than enough. Prayer is an acknowledgement that you need God more than he needs you. So when we pray, we pray that way. The third breakthrough prayer is prayer is not to inform God of our situation, but to prepare us to receive from him. God already knows your prayers before you pray them. So your prayer is not to inform God of your problem. God already knows your problem. It prepares you to hear the answer for the problem. That's what prayer does. It puts you in a posture to hear from God what he has to say about your situation. Can you say Amen. So listen, here's a scenario that happened in the Bible, and I'm done. Jesus has a situation that he has come upon. Amen. He's having a good time over there. I just love it when kids have a great time in church. Amen. Amen. You know, Jesus said, suffer not the little ones. Amen. 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 Hey. 
I love it. Hey, and I'll leave that boy alone. He good. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> praise God. Let him get his praise on. Yeah, a handful too. Hey, they got a lot of hands around him, mama. He going to be all right. Y'all just come this way. Look, mama. He good. I trust me. Amen. <laughs> Amen. So, so here it is. Watch, watch. Jesus is at the tomb in Lazarus. So Lazarus is trapped in a precarious situation. He's dead. I don't know what better way to say it. He's just dead. He's, he's trapped. He's trapped in a tomb. And Jesus embarks upon this moment. And as he comes on this moment, watch, there's, there's people who are in the process of a routine, who are in a rut, and who are ritual. The sisters see Jesus come to this tomb, and they have this, this routine of doing things when death comes. That as he comes to the tomb, watch this, Jesus once more deeply moved, came to the tomb, and it was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. A cave, a tomb. And then verse number 29 says, uh, Jesus says, take away the stone, he said, but Lord, Martha said, she was the sister of Lazarus, the dead man, the trapped man. By this time, there is a bad odor for He has been there for four days. See, what happens in their culture at the time was that there was a burial ceremony, a ritual that they would perform. And within those three days, the tomb could be opened so they can go and prepare the body. You remember Mary and Martha at the tomb went to go and prepare Jesus' body on the resurrection? In that time, the stone is placed and rolled away so they can get the body right. But what happens is this routine, this ritual that they were stuck in is now four days. He's beyond the time. They got so used and accustomed to three days being the process. Jesus shows up on the fourth day. Isn't that amazing how Jesus disrupts things in your life? He just turns stuff upside down. When you thought it was going to happen one way, he come in and do a whole nother way. You, you, thought, you thought like last year he came through and he broke through in your life, but this year he does it a whole nother way. You know, some of you waiting on the IRS for a check. <laughs> and God come around and do something totally different. You get a bonus on your job that's more than your return on your taxes. And you waiting on that return to buy a new car and God just does it a whole nother way. You go in there and get interest free, amen, no money down. That's just... He just mess your head up like that. But, but four days is the process, and, and they're like, this is the way it goes, Jesus. You can't do this. It's beyond the routine. This is the way grandma and them do it. You can't do it this way. It's four days. He stank. Don't do it, Jesus, because this is the way we do. Verse 40 says, then Jesus said, did I not tell you? <laughs> Y'all ain't know Jesus had some gangster in him, huh? Just say, listen up here, homie. Did I not tell you if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you will always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing and sitting at Elevate Church that they may believe that you sent me. 
When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Most preachers said he had to call Lazarus by name because if he would have just said come out, every dead person in the tomb would have came out. But you know what that says to me, though, is that God is very specific of you. He knows your name. And when he calls you out of a situation, he's calling you in particular out the situation. He knows what the person next to you going out uh, need to come out of, but he's calling you particularly say, come forth. It, it, it tells me that God is so concerned about, about me specifically that with over eight billion people on the face of the earth, God knows my problem to call me out of that thing. Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth and cloth around his face, a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. That's where I want to land right there as I close. Jesus said, take off the grave clothes and let him go. What happened is Lazarus is alive. But he's still held bound. Let me breathe on that for a second. He saved, sanctified, filled the Holy Ghost, but he still got some struggles. Okay. I see how y'all having a difficult time with that. Since you've been saved, AC after Christ, if you would be honest, there's still some things you're struggling with. Okay, since you won't be honest, let me testify. Since God has freed me from alcohol 23 years ago, I can go to the drugstore, the alcohol, the, the uh, what they call that store? I don't even know what they call it no more. The liquor store? The beverage. Uh, we got fancy now, the beverage store. The spirits. Oh, yeah, we got really, we got real religious. But, but, but you can go into the, I go in that place, and I can just walk right past it. Listen, I smoke more dope than a dope man could sell, but I go back to the hood where they smoke dope and it don't bother me. Why? Because the grave clothes have been taken off. And there's a lot of saved, sanctified people still got some. And this is how you come in church. Are you praising God? Glory to God. You got some struggles, and I'm not talking about B.C. before Christ, A.C. after Christ. And you come to church and you got thoughts in your mind that you're trying to battle and get away from, but they're still there. And you're worshiping with your hands up, and you're here physically, but mentally you're somewhere else. If you would be honest, you would say while you're worshiping, you have some thoughts that are not really godly. You get home and you're reading your word and you're distracted by stuff that are commercials, internet, magazine mailings. Now, quiet. And you're struggling. You pass by that liquor store and you want to pull in. Matter of fact, sometimes you pull in and sit in the parking lot. 
and you're praying. Holy Ghost, help me. Holy Spirit, activate. Holy Spirit, activate. Holy Spirit. And you're struggling. And you're saved. Oh, I want to talk to the saved, struggling folk for a moment. You, you got life. You got breath, but you still got grave clothes on. Jesus said, take off the grave clothes. I want to loose you so you can be free. I don't want you just to have life. I want you to have life and life more abundantly. I don't want you to just come to church and have a feel-good moment for a moment. I want you to have this feeling all the time. I want to be the one that's your joy in the midst of sorrow. I want to be the one that is the expression of love when you're feeling unlovable. I want to be the one. Take the grave clothes off. You've been trapped in this situation where you think that this stuff will be the solution. You think just one more hit, one more drink will be the answer. Just one more night fling with... Jesus said, I want to be the answer. Take the grave clothes off of him. Because watch this. Whatever you hold to would eventually shape you. If you hold to these thoughts, eventually it will shape you. It will make you who you never thought you would be. You'll be doing stuff you never thought you would do. Why? Because of those thoughts. They begin to mold you and shape you. You'll be, I am who I say I am. Because you have rehearsed that to yourself over and over and over and over and over and over again. Oh, let me give you a Bible then. It says, as a man... As a man thinketh, I am. So if I don't say who I am according to who he says I am, I got to rehearse who God says who I am. That's the only way to get free from this trap mind is to see myself the way God sees me. Oh, beloved, how does God see me? Wonderful, beautifully made and formed and fashioned. He sees me anointed, powerful, set free, delivered. He sees me gifted. How does God see me? That's what I rehearse over and over to myself. That when I feel like I'm in that trap place, I cry out from that dark place. And I say what God has said about me. That's my freedom. Because God doesn't want me just to be delivered. He wants me to be set free. God doesn't want you just to be delivered. He wants you to be set free. So if you would bow your heads with me. I believe there's somebody here today. You're here and you've been wrapped in grave clothes. Religion just won't do it. You're here and you're wrapped. You're saved. You're here at church and that's great. But you're still held bound. You're still wrapped in some things. You, 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 was, you, you were participating in worship. You were participating physically, but mentally you were struggling. He's here today to set you free. The stone, the stone has been rolled away. You have been called by the Father. But now 
you need your grave clothes taken off. I'm going to pray after which I want to talk to those who are trapped, saved and struggling. Because this is really my appeal to you today. The Bible says that God is married to the backslider, so he loves you. This is not a message of condemnation nor guilt to come upon you. God loves you. So I'm going to pray after which I'm, I'm going to ask that you make the most boldest declaration that you can make. And that's to rise up out of the tomb and to come forth. Father, now in the name of Jesus, I declare, oh God, that in this place, that these, your people, God, are trapped no more. Though they're saved and struggling, God, you're the answer. So let them cry out from that place. Because it's from that place of their plea and their cry. They can find mercy and grace in you. So Father, we bless them now. We bind the hand of the enemy that will come to prevent. Either by pride, by embarrassment. Whatever it will be, God. To to prevent them from making this declaration and walking forth. God, we break the power of the enemy now. It's in Jesus' mighty name. If that's you today, I first appeal to those who don't know Jesus Christ in the pardon of their sins. And then maybe you're backslidden. God is calling you back to get it right today. If that's you, if you're hand in the air now, do it now. Do it now. Saved and struggling. Got some things. I see you, ma'am. There's others today will say, that's me. I see you, sir. I see you, sir. I see you, ma'am. There's others that will say, today is today. I'm, I'm getting free. No longer will I be walking around with my grave clothes. Today, I am free and free indeed. I see you, ma'am. I see you, sir. I believe there's others today that will say, today is today. I'm getting free. I'm getting free. I'm getting free. I'm not walking in this life of bondage anymore. That's you. Lift your hand. Any others? Any others? Any others? I see you, ma'am. Sir, I see you, sir any others now listen he said Lazarus come forth I don't know your name at this moment but I promise you I will get to know it but whatever your name is and for whatever reason you lifted your hand remember we're breaking the power of the enemy pride goes embarrassment goes we're not ashamed the Bible says I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it's the power that set you free I want all of you who lift your hands to stand at this moment. For whatever reason you lift your hand, just stand. Just stand. Father, for every person standing to their feet, I thank you for freedom and liberty that has come into their lives. I thank you that today, God, the one whom the Son has set free is free indeed. No longer are they held captive even by their own thoughts. They are free indeed. And Father, as they walk in this freedom, they walk in you, O oh God, hand in hand. So, Father, the thing they held on to, they loose now so that they can hold to you. So that you can begin to shape them and mold them more and more into the image and the likeness of you. God, we bless each of them now. It's in Jesus' mighty name we do pray. Can everyone give the Lord a hand clap of praise and say amen? Come on, everybody shout amen. Come on, everybody shout amen. We celebrate with them today. Come on, shout amen. For all of you who made that bold decision today, we welcome you to the family of faith, or we we re welcome you to the family for whatever reason you're lifting your hand. Now, my last appeal as we close: if you're here today, you don't have a church home, and you felt the spirit of God touch your heart, drew you to this place. If that's you today, and you feel that God has led you to be a part of Elevate Church, 
If that's you today, would you lift your hand? Amen. Stretch it up. I see you. Amen. Come get along. Amen. You're your part of the family. Amen. Amen. Any others today? Any others today? Amen. I see a little hand in the back. And the baby lifting his hand. Amen. Any others today? Any? Amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Any others? Any others? Any others? Can we look around? Any others? If I miss anyone, let me know. Any others today? Amen. Welcome to Femme Faith. You're getting a white card. Amen. Amen. All the babies. Amen. Praise the Lord. We got a shouter too. Welcome to the family, shouter. Amen. Amen. So we give the Lord praise for all of those who have joined. And this is the only way I know how to, to greet you at this moment. Amen. Everybody. That was weak, y'all. Y'all left me hanging. Elevate! We're better. We're about 70%. Elevate! Okay, I'm just going to take that for now. Amen. Bless the Lord. All standing to your feet as we close out in prayer. For those who lift your hands, you should receive the white card. Fill that card out its entirety. Hand it back to the hand that handed it to you uh, so that we can make sure we connect with you. Amen. To help you grow in this journey of faith as a family together. Amen. God be the glory. So as Pastor Tiffany said, you don't have to rush off for dinner. We do have chicken and ribs. Amen. Plates for sale. Amen. You throw glory on that, huh? (laughs) Amen. You're hungry. Amen. 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 So listen, for all of our first, second time guests, I would love to shake your hand, meet you, and greet you before you leave on today. I'll be in the foyer. Amen. Can can you grab a mic? Pastor Adam, can you close out in prayer? Amen. God is doing some amazing things here at Elevate Church. Amen. The testimonies of the lives that have been changed and transformed by the power his spirit by his grace is amazing we have 45 plus um, registrants for our kingdom ambassadors class and God has been moving mightily amen leaders that are being raised up and trained to, amen to be released into this city to do some amazing things we will have a, another semester of kingdom ambassadors uh, if you are interested in signing up and being a part, you can see me in the foyer on the way out. It's life-changing. Come on, Caleb, where you at? Has it been life-changing? Amen. If you're a business owner, entrepreneur, if you're in ministry, this is the course for you. Teaching you how to lead deeper and how to lead well, whether it's in your family, whether it's on your job, whether it's in ministry, however it is, you need to be a part of Caleb. God bless you is my prayer and keep you in Jesus' name. Amen.